0: Good to see everyone here, and uh, it's good to be able to worship the Lord together today. Uh, uh, I want to thank all of you for uh, your love, not only for the Lord, but for people, as I heard about the block party, and I appreciate Samantha sharing that. We have a tremendous opportunity, guys, um, to show people that we care and love them. Uh, had a wonderful crowd last year, and we're very blessed And, you know, we were talking about in Sunday school. Too often, I'm afraid that we as believers are known more for what we're against than who we're for. Shame on us, guys. We live in a world that needs a Savior. Now, I'm not trying to shortchange sin or I'm not trying to talk like sin doesn't matter. Because sin destroys people and God hates it and I am against it. I'm even more for the people that are hurt by it. Jesus said in Matthew 9.36, but when He looked at the crowds, when He saw the crowds, He had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I pray that kingsway that we be that type of people that as we look around us we don't just see that sinner who does this and who does that and who makes us mad because of the evil they're doing but that we see people who are who are harassed and helpless and the reason they're so screwed up is because they're without the shepherd jesus and may we build bridges instead of walls to connect with those that are out there, guys, and I'm grateful for the ministry to Belize and and, and to reach out to those kids. And man, we got to be about loving people. And I I, I gotta quit this because I gotta preach on something else. But that was just on my heart. Uh, this morning, I want to talk about certain truth and uncertain times. Now, we, I'm convinced we're all control freaks. And it seems like the the more I walk along this road, I realize the less control I have of stuff. And that's just the truth, the way that it is. And this morning, we're going to look at Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verses eleven through the end of the chapter, as they speak about the difficulty of life, how you make these great plans, and then crisis hits, tragedy falls. And suddenly those plans don't work. Uh, you know, that great theologian, Lucy, in the Peanut Strip, she's talking to Charlie Brown and they're out by the pool. Doesn't that sound good this time of year? We're also ready for winter to be over and spring to be full course. But they're sitting by the pool and um, Lucy's talking about life, comparing it to her deck chair. And she says, You know, Life is like a deck chair. There are those who face their deck chair so they can see where they've been. And there are those who place their deck chair so they can see a present where they want to be. And then, you know, in the next caption, it shows Charlie Brown and he's fighting with his. And he said, I can't even get mine unfolded. And guys, sometimes we feel like that with life. And, and anyway, let's let's turn to Ecclesiastes 9 and 11-18. through 18. I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor. I want to read aloud from the text this morning. It says, I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom's better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom's despised, and his words are no longer heeded. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Let's pray. God, here we are again, Lord. And Father, I am just in awe of the simple fact that I'm even here, God, allowed to be a part of this worship service. And God, I'm just woefully inadequate, Lord, to speak for you. and. Father, I just pray that You might capture my heart, God, and that You might anoint me, Lord, and that You might work through me, Lord. God, I'm not much, but I'm Yours, and I want that to be evident. And so, Lord, I just pray you, You touch us, God, by Your power, Lord. We need to hear about a Savior this morning, and I pray that He be seen clearly, God. Have Your way in our hearts, Lord. In Your name we pray. Amen. You know, it's amazing, guys, how you can plan and and how you can work out details in order to achieve goals, but stuff happens that you don't account for, that you can't foresee, and how it can make life tough. One of my favorite accounts is found in the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica's 1982 yearbook, and it's entitled Strange and Unusual Events, and it's about a guy named Brian Heloise. And I want you to listen to Brian's day. This is a day for the ages. This was July of 1982. It says, when his apartment in Provo, Utah, became flooded from a broken pipe in the upstairs apartment, the manager told him to go out and rent a water vacuum. That's when he discovered his car had a flat tire. He changed it, then went inside again to phone a friend for help. The electric shock he got from the phone so startled him that he inadvertently ripped the instrument off the wall. Before he could leave the apartment a second time, a neighbor had to kick down the apartment door because water damage had jammed it tight. While all of this was going on, someone stole his car, but it was almost out of gas. He found it a few blocks away, but had to push it to the gas station where he filled up the tank. That evening, he attended a military ceremony at Brigham Young University. He injured himself severely when he somehow sat on his bayonet, which had been tossed onto the front seat of his car. Doctors were able to stitch up the wound, but no one was able to resuscitate four of his dead canaries that were crushed to death by falling plaster. After he slipped on the wet carpet and badly injured his tailbone, he said he began to wonder, If God wanted me dead, but just kept missing. You know, we all have times in our life where if we were honest, we'd almost say, God, do you want me dead and you just keep missing? And as Solomon opens a section of Scripture, I believe that there is some cynicism. As he has looked around him, he's had that horizontal view and he's seen how calamity can strike in just a moment. How you can be going and and things look great and and all of a sudden that changes in just a moment. And as we look at this section of Scripture, he starts out here in verse 11. He says, the race is not to the swift. He's talking about the athlete. There's the athlete who, who may be fast, who may be very skilled. But even that athlete can fall, he can stumble, and he can lose the race. As I was preparing for this message, I read about Jim Thorpe. He was the greatest athlete of his day. He was a class Olympian. But there came a time where all of his medals were stripped away because they discovered as a boy, he was given money to play baseball. He earned $5 a season playing baseball. Now you can't even get in and see a game for 5 bucks. But all of his work, all of his medals, all of his prestige were stripped away because of something in the past. And then he goes on he he says, or the battle to the strong, a reference here to the military to to the one who 's prepared who 's strategically ready, and yet there are times where something occurs that that you don 't see that you can 't plan for. He says, nor does food come to the wise men there 's always got to be food in the Baptist church mentioned somewhere, so here we are in the scripture talking about those with the food or wealth to the brilliant, those who are able to earn money who are, who are so smart or favor to the learned, to those who have the education, uh, the money, who, who seem to have it all together. But then he says, regardless of all of that, he says, but time and chance happen to them all. And the word chance here means a, a chance for an evil event to occur, to catch one by surprise and to knock you off of your feet, to cause you to stumble and ask, God, are you just trying to kill me and you keep missing? And notice here in verse 12, he says clearly here, he says, Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come. Guys, you can't predict, you don't know for sure exactly when that calamity may strike. He says, as fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. Missionary E. Stanley Jones uh Missionary to India wrote, "Many live in dread of what's coming. Why should we? The unknown puts adventure into life. It gives us something to sharpen our souls upon. He gives us strength for today to meet the challenges of tomorrow." What is he saying here? He's saying, "Guys, no matter how we try to control everything, there's so much we can't control." We have to lean upon the Lord and even though we don't understand what's going on, we have to trust Him. So because it's not now that we see the whole picture, you know, it says for now. We look through a glass darkly, we see but a poor reflection. Then we shall see face to face and we shall know as we are known. But not for now. Guys you can't you can't see it clearly. And as he talks about in this section of Scripture, you've got to look to the Lord and you've got to understand that your strength is not enough. It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Proverbs 21.30 says, There's no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Things do not go better when God is left out. We need to trust Him. Uh, there's a story about a elderly lady who loved the Lord with all of her heart. She lived in a, a low, low place uh, in the town. And a weather report came. There was a bad storm. There was going to be flooding. So these guys came in a pickup truck. And they said, Granny yeah. Smith says, We need to take you to higher ground. Because the weatherman says a flood's coming and the water's going to be rising. And, and you need to go to higher ground," she said. "Boys, I love Jesus, and I'm trusting Jesus, and He's going to deliver me. I don't need your truck." Well, it started raining, water started rising. Guys, believe it or not, it came up just close to the porch. Guy comes by in a rowboat. He says, "Granny Smith," he says, "I got to get you to higher ground. This rain's supposed to keep on." And she said. Son, thank you for loving me and caring about me. But I have faith that my Lord is going to deliver me. He's going to set me free. And so he rode on. Water kept on coming. She managed somehow to get on top of her roof as that water just kept going up. Here comes a helicopter. Granny Smith's come to take you to higher ground to get you out of here. And she said, my faith is steadfast and unwavering. My God will deliver me. Well, water goes up over the roof. She drowns. She dies. She goes to heaven. She says, God, why didn't you deliver me? And she said, why, and God said, why were you so thick headed? You know, I, I sent a guys in a pickup truck. I sent a rowboat. I sent a helicopter and you didn't like my way of deliverance. The point is God's ways are complicated. They're not easily understood and we're called to walk by faith and, and, and we're called to trust Him even when we don't get it, guys. He'll take care of us. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a verse many of us know. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. It's interesting, that word future it's from a Hebrew word that literally means looking backwards while looking straight ahead. And it's a picture of you got your eyes fixed on a specific spot. As you move forward, you're looking back and seeing clearly. And the idea here is that you are able to see where God wants you to go as you look back and see how He has guided you through your life. That He has been faithful. That He has been there. That He has touched you. And, and it, it's, it's clear as you look through the Old Testament, as God says over and over again to His people, Remember! Remember how I came through. Remember how I delivered you. Remember how I was there. People are looking for a miracle, man. They're looking for the face of Jesus on a piece of French toast in a diner or, or whatever for some miracle that says, Jesus is speaking to me. But the truth of the matter is, He's already sent a miracle and it's called Calvary. What a miracle that the God of heaven would come in human form and that He would walk amongst us and that He would willingly go to a cross and die and that He would be raised from the dead, guys. And that thus making possible for us resurrected life. The miracle's already been given. And and that's where we're to live. That the miracle's here already. The cross has already been and the resurrection, and, and regardless of the calamity, there is victory. We're to live there. It says, and this is the victory that overcomes the earth. The victory, the resurrection. That, that, that's our hope, guys. Now let, let's go on here. Um I want you to notice here in the scripture here, in verse 14, starting 13, he says, I also so saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city in his wisdom, but nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. Anonymous does not mean unnecessary. This guy was a nobody, but boy was he somebody because God used him to rescue the city. He may not have been known by those in the city, but he must have been known by God as he was used to deliver. You know, so often we notice a song it touches our heart And our attention goes to the musician who sings the song. But often we don't know who the songwriter is. Or we watch a movie and we're moved by the work of the actors and actresses. But we don't think about the screenwriter who wrote the movie. Or there's a politician who's got all this charisma, but we don't think about who's the campaign manager. There is always somebody working behind the scenes that matters. Just because we don't know who they are does not mean they're not important. And that they're not a part of what God is doing. Matter of fact, guys, that's the church. I mean, you know, you got things that you can see clearly. Some more clearly than others. Some we see more clearly the ears that stick out or a nose or the other parts of the body. But, you know, you don't want to see the organs. I want to keep those things hidden. Because that's the way they're designed to work. And there are many who are just vital to the workings of God's people in His church that are never really seen. They're anonymous, but they are necessary. If they're taken away, God's work comes to a standstill. And that may be where you are. You may say, nobody notices me. Nobody knows I'm here. They don't appreciate me. Oh man, I want to tell you now, you are appreciated because if you weren't here, we'd know it. It wouldn't take long for us to miss you if you're that heart of God. That inner organ that, that works for His purposes that's, that's not often seen, but would be noticed if was not there at work. That's that's how God works, guys. He grabs a hold of heart and he, he works. I mean, if you look in the church, everybody's heard of Martin Luther, but not many have heard of Philip Melanchthon, who was his best friend who stood by him when he got depressed and who comforted him and urged him on. There's D.L. Moody. Not a lot of people have heard of Edward Kimball, who was a Sunday school teacher that went to him, talked to him about Jesus. God got a hold of his heart. There are many people that God uses. You know, when you drive that nail in, often it takes more than one hit with a hammer. And it, it, there's many people that God uses for His purposes. Uh, listen to this piece. It's called "For One of a Nail." It says, "For one of a nail, the shoe was lost. For one of the shoe, the horse was lost. <laughs> for one of the horse, the rider was lost." For one of the rider, the battle was lost. For one of the battle, the kingdom was lost. And all for the want of a horseshoe nail. And you know, as you, as you look at this, guys, and you carry it to its obvious truth, many times people miss the greatest servant of all. They're looking for a miracle, and they miss the miracle of Jesus. We want some big spectacular display. And he's already done that. He says, trust me. Lean upon me. And I will show you myself. Now, this last section here, um, it's wise living. And I want to look at it, verses 16 through 18. uh, Superiority of wise living. It says, so I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. You know, this poor wise guy, he could have said, nobody notices me, nobody cares, and therefore I'm just going to ignore it. Just not even deal with it. But He didn't do that. And you know, stuff happens to us, guys. And the truth of the matter is, we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we react to what happens to us. And that's key. God, give me strength, wisdom, power to be able to control what happens to me to react in a godly manner. A godly manner for you, God. As the circumstance comes to me, help me to be under your control, God. To, to, to live in you and in your strength. And that is so vital. I, I love these words from Mickey Rivers who was a outfielder for the Yankees uh, back, I think it was in the 70s. But anyway, he, Mickey Rivers wrote these words. He said, Ain't no sense worrying about the things you got control over because if you got control over them, ain't no sense worrying. And ain't no sense worrying about the things you don't got control over, because if you don't got control over them, ain't no sense worrying. That's pretty wise. Wisdom is being an expert at skilled living. It is the application of spiritual truth, and and, and that's what God calls us to do. Listen, this is uh, Proverbs twenty six twelve. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Not real wisdom is it, saying, "I need Jesus." I need God's help in my life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Some of you probably quote that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. He'll, He'll lead you. That's what God promises. That's what He does. He leads And we need to follow Him. We need to listen to Him. We need His wisdom. Um, We find that in His Word. And of course, I'm a big proponent of His Word. I got so upset the other day. I may have told you guys. I was talking to a buddy of mine. He's telling me about this preacher. I don't like church politics. But this preacher had told him, he said, you'd be a pretty nice guy. He said, your problem is you love the Bible more than Jesus. And that just really got my goat. I'm still chewing on that. But here's the thing, guys, listen, I want to share a verse with you here. It made me think about this thing. It's John five thirty nine. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Now, it might be possible to talk about the Bible and to have a respect for the Bible and miss Jesus, but you know why you miss Him? Because you never open it and read it. You never study it. Because if you study the Bible and you look to the Bible, it's going to lead you to Jesus. You're not going to miss that. Because that's what this book does. Its whole point is to bring you to Christ. To the promised one, to the risen one, and it will, and it will. Listen to this. This is uh, Jeremiah nine twenty three and twenty four in the Amplified. You know, takes that sentence and makes it a paragraph. Thus says the Lord: Let not the wise and skillful person glory and boast in his wisdom and skill. Let not the mighty and powerful person glory and boast in his strength and power. Let not the one who is rich in physical gratification and earthly wealth glory and boast in his temporal satisfactions and earthly riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me personally and practically, directly discerning and recognizing my character, that I am the Lord who practices uh, loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things... I delight. Man, that's God's heart. He says, guys, don't put all your trust in who's strong, who's skilled, who's wise, who's mighty, who's got the the most toys, the physical gratification, because it's temporal. But it's the one who understands me. It's the one who knows me. It's the one who loves me. It's the one who, who gets a hold of me and hangs on. He He's the one who, who gets my blessing. He's the one that knows me. He's the one. He's the one. All right. um, in this section of Scripture too, wisdom is superior because of what God can do through the one who listens to Him. How He can save and how He can rescue guys. Notice what it said, the city was saved. It says in verse 17, The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of the rulers of fools. You know, God's Word seems foolish. It says that He was pleased to speak to those who were humble instead of those who looked great. Listen to this. This is 1 Corinthians 1.18. He says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know Him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. It's just a message that I need a Savior. And I have to come to that message. And there are those who look at it and say, that's just... That's just silly, foolish. Y'all believe foolishness. Our faith is in vain if He is not risen, but He is risen, guys. He is risen. Um, I got to spend some time with your former uh, servant pastor here, Donald Page, as we spoke at Wilma Sherwood's funeral uh, on Wednesday night. uh, Donald and I left early and we spent some time together. And I enjoyed that immensely. But he told a story the night before at Judy's that I wanted to share tonight that caught my attention. That guys he's funny. He's character. But he told me that his neighbor... One day he was talking to a neighbor and he said, you know that guy over there? He goes, yeah, he's a nice guy. He said, I don't think he's a Christian. I don't think he loves Jesus. I don't think he knows Him. So Donald thought, well, I guess, God, that means I'm supposed to tell him. So Donald said he went over there and... He said the guy was real nice. He said, "You know, you, you sit down and he just—he surely he's a Christian. He's just kind, thoughtful, considerate." So he just said, uh, he talked to him, called him by name, and he said, I, "You know, other neighbor up here is worried that you're not a Christian. That, you know, that, that you're not God's child. That you're going to heaven." that you'll be separated from eternity and that you'll go to a place of agony and torment a place called hell. He says, and I want to make sure you're not going there. And the guy got mad. He goes, what? What are you talking about? He says, you actually believe that rubbish? Donald said, well, I got kind of mad and thought I might hold myself back. He said, so I felt myself getting all upset. And he said, yeah, I believe it. And it's God's truth. And you better believe it or you're going to hell. And he said, the guy lashed at him and cut his face with his fingernails. And Donald said, it's time for me to sneak out of here and leave. And he said, I got out of there quick. And as far as I know, he never turned to Christ. Guys, there are a lot of people out there who may look like they know Jesus, but they don't. And we need to pray, um, we need to be involved in their lives, and we need to love them. That's our passion. I want to close with this, uh, well, actually i got something after this story, but we'll read this. This is called A Bicycle Ride with God. <laughs> At first I saw God as my observer, my judge, keeping track of the things I did wrong. So as to know whether I merited heaven or hell when I die. He was out there sort of like the president. I recognized his picture when I saw it, but I didn't really know him. Later on, when I recognized my higher power, it seemed as though life was rather like a bike ride. But it was a tandem bike, and I noticed God was in the back helping me paddle. I don't know just when it was that he suggested we change places, but life has not been the same since. Life with my God makes life exciting. When I had control, I knew the way. It was rather boring but predictable. It was the shortest distance between two points. (laughs) But when he took the lead, he knew delightful long cuts up mountains, through rocky places, at breakneck speeds. It was all I could do to hang on. Even though it looked like madness, he said, Pedal! I worried and was anxious and asked, Where are you taking me? He laughed and didn't answer, and I started to trust. I forgot my boring life and entered into the adventure. And when I'd say I'm scared, he'd lean back and touch my hand. He took me to people with gifts that I needed, gifts of healing, acceptance, joy. They gave me their gifts to take on my journey, our journey, God's and mine. And we were off again. He said, give the gifts away. They're extra baggage, too much weight. (laughs) So I did, the people we met. And I found that in giving, I received And still our burden was light. I did not trust him at first in control of my life. I thought he'd wreck it. But he knew back secrets, knew how to make it bend, to take sharp corners, jump to clear high places filled with rocks, fly to short and scary passages. And I'm learning to shut up and pedal in the strangest places. And I'm beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze on my face with my delightful constant companion, my God. And when I'm sure I can't do any more, he just smiles and says, Pedal! Guys, may we pedal? Last verse here, and we're, going, we're done. He says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. You know, churches aren't perfect because we're not perfect. We're all sinners. And if it were not for the grace of God, we would one way or another destroy each other because of our hearts. But we have a Savior. Listen to this from Romans 5. The gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man. How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I'm the one man. I'm the sinner. He's the one man, the Savior. Have you found Him? Let's pray, God. Uh, life's nuts, but we're grateful that you're there, God. And uh, we come to a time to respond to the movement of your heart, God. And uh, I don't know what's happening here among your people. I know something is, and I pray, God, that you would just draw according to your spirit. We need to hear from you, Lord. We need to see you at work, and we need to say yes. And I pray this morning, God, that that would happen. That people would come to pray at this altar. They would come down this aisle. That what would occur would simply be saying, I need to say yes to to God. And that's all we want, Lord, for us to say yes to You. And that's enough, Lord. Have Your way, God. We need You. Show Yourself to us. In Your name we pray. Amen.